then let's forget what we should have done earlier and continue with what we should do now. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a pain, you know. You think you're going to have a night off and then work says, no, no, you're going to come in. And you're like, well, I mean, I guess I, I, it is partially my fault because I'm like, I want to have a little more money for the holidays because the holidays are terrible. Did they call you in? I'm going to get an overtime shift, yeah. Oh, well, I mean. It's it's time and a half, so, you know, it's. That's something. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's around the sucky. holidays. You need to take what you can get. Yeah, I suppose so. Jeez. So. Oof. How about you, man? I mean, sorry your oven is being shitty. Uh, it's just typical. It's This is an old apartment, and it's like... I, I looked up recently, so I do for my uh, freelance stuff, I do like business use of home type deal. So I was looking up to make sure I had the exact uh, square footage. So I was glad to find that information, but... It says that it has a modern kitchen on the the uh, advertisement for it, or the the description of it. And this is modern this might in the have, sense that it has you know elect- running electricity. Modern in the sense that like fucking uh, Queen Elizabeth was the first modern English monarch, like that kind of vibe. It, this yeah. fucking shit's old. I straight up, I, it's an electric, it's an electric oven, so I have to assume that it happened at least sometime past 1960 i'm gonna if i had to throw a dart on a date i think i'd i'd put the over under at like 1973 well that sounds uh it sounds modern enough i think you're complaining yeah you're right 50 years 50 years years, it's all the same technology Mm -hmm. and also i mean there is a factor of they did less planned obsolescence back then so i mean it's not gonna break tomorrow god i hope not everything else breaks Everything new in this place breaks. That's that's that planned obsolescence for you. That's how it do. <laughs> anyway, well, I'm fucking well, upset on your behalf at least that they're making that you have to go I into mean, work. It's it's overtime during the holidays. They want to make sure that the store looks great because customers are going to be pouring in to get all their Christmas stuff. Uh, I mean, everyone's got it. Apparently, it's baking season, so you know we got to make sure we have all the baking stuff stocked. I guess, yeah. And also, we have a guy who's uh, got his vacation this week, so you know we're already down mm. a person most shifts. Well, good for him, I suppose. I mean, it's and then he saved his vacation for the rest of the year and didn't take it earlier. <laughs> Hmm. But you know, whatever. Yeah, whatever. There should just be more vacation. There um, really should be. They should just hire more people and spread it out. Yeah. I mean, also, the shoot, the work shouldn't be as hard as it is because we should have less, uh, less intentional uh, inconvenience uh, in terms of getting stuff done. We should have a lot more stuff automated, and then we should just not have to work more than like a fifteen-hour workday for the same amount of wage. But anyways, yes. um. That's neither here nor there. Hmm. Uh, we are welcoming you to. Sorry, I'm Phil, and I'm Kyle. We are the unsociablists, welcoming you to our last episode of 2021. Bam! The very it's, next episode will be on the first day. Yeah, right, it'll of be, 2022. It'll be the new, new Year's Saturday. Day. We'll be launching our first our uh, first episode of New Year, our first proper episode there uh, on Copaganda, which Copaganda. we were th- trying to think of something more New Year's appropriate, and we're just like. Yeah, we're lazy. This is a good one. Is, yeah. Uh, so we'll be talking about Copaganda then. But today we are talking about 
Herman Hesse's Siddhartha, our first book club episode. Yeah. And this, uh, uh, having, when, uh, I read it in one day when I decided to sit down because it's not a very long book. And then I, you know, I kind of flipped through a little bit more after that. Mm-hmm. And I can safely say books suck. I mean, <laughs> have you heard of video games and TV? <laughs> books, books, books blow. I saw somebody post the other day. It was like, it's very, it's important every once in a while to pick up a book just to realize how your lack of uh, attention span has made you functionally illiterate. And I'll say, um, for the most part, I've, I like over 2020 and into the early part of this year until I started this new job, I was reading a lot. I was reading a lot of books. I had not read much since like college. So I had gone like four or five years without really reading anything. Uh, not that long. It's only been five years since I've graduated. Jesus Christ. It hey, feels like brain. a million years ago. I had gone several last... years. <laughs> I had gone several years without uh, reading like intensely. And uh, the pandemic gave me that at least. But even in the short amount of time, the few months that I've not really had any time to read much, uh, I feel like... That and maybe starting up on Twitter again has made my attention span just completely evaporate. Yeah, no, I, I didn't have that problem. I was able to sit down and just <laughs> knock this book out in about four and a half hours straight. But uh, I just found it to be a less good version of absorbing information because I'm an audio. I mean, also I'm an auditory person, so you know, yeah, I mean, yeah. my brain was like, just get an audio book. I'm like, no, let's read the book, do the <laughs> book club experience. I was tempted, and I may still. For other people's purposes, because you can get through this, like you said, in like four four hours if you sit down. I'm tempted to maybe in a couple sessions just read through this like into the mic so that people can uh, pretty because it's I'm fairly certain this is it. The book came out in 1922, so I'm thinking that it's in the public domain. So that uh, I could probably just it, I read think it, it takes a hundred years, but it's, I mean, it's very, very close. It's it, it's made by a German dude who grew up or lived in Switzerland, and right now, it, uh, last I was in a media law class, it was seventy five years after someone's death, and I think he died in nineteen sixty. So it still it still has time, I suppose. Uh, yes, Siddhartha is in the public domain. Okay, sweet. So I'll just read it into a mic at some point, maybe. I mean, I could also do. I don't know. I, I've, I've, I do character voices and stuff. Maybe. Oh, I true. Just knock the audiobook out. Make it. Ah, but no, I have to still write a whole Zor's on an Yeah, you movie. have things to do, bruv. Me, I, I also have stupid. Yeah, you things have lots of do. things. We both, we both are. <laughs> this honestly, is ambitious. This, uh, but um, yeah, definitely a commitment on our time that we neither of us <laughs> wants, but that we both think is important because it's important to. I don't know. For well, I guess neither of us wants is a weird to say that. I, I, the podcast is a neat thing when it's not uh, coupled with other stressors. Yes, if I could drop a lot, life. I would keep the podcast. I would drop other things. Yeah, namely my job, but whatever. I would drop constantly feeling disenfranchised with life. Yeah, if I could, but I don't think I don't think that you're allowed to just cut those kind of things. If from only day to day. Anyways, so um. We read Siddhartha, and uh, I guess my first thoughts, and I have three major gripes with this book. I'm going to start with the very mm-hmm. first one right off the bat, and that is that he uses a, a lot of commas and examples, a lot of different ways of saying the same thing, a lot of different ways of addressing the exact same phrase, a lot of uh, multiple example structures for the exact uh, same idealism. 
it's phrases like that all through the book where he just comma this other way of saying it comma this other way of saying it you know just like yeah we get it we get it Hmm. but cool (laughs) well to respond to that i think that so like this the idea of this book and i suppose we should give just like a quick um I don't think we need to necessarily go through the entire story, but maybe just. Oh, like I wasn't a, even worried about a synopsis. I was kind of like thinking we'd. I, I took my notes in chronological order of the book, so. Gotcha. I just wanted to give like a brief thing to say that this is kind of written in a what's been sometimes described as like a biblical style, because it is an attempt to kind of trace someone's spiritual journey right like somebody making their way towards enlightenment and towards satisfaction with maybe maybe not satisfaction with their place in the world but satisfaction with their existence and so i think pardon me i think that that kind of repetition and that kind of again like biblical type language makes itself i think it's it's worth it in this space because firstly i i kind of like i think you're right i think you're right that it does dwell a little bit sometimes it kind of drags but the chapters are so short and the action you know what action actually occurs you kind of brush through kind of quickly i feel like sitting on those pieces while they're discussing maybe a concept of uh, say, <clears throat> Samsara, if he's discussing like being trapped on the wheel of of suffering, like or breaking away from that, or trying to find the self, the authentic soul of a person. Um, I don't know. I sometimes I like it, but I can see where the gripes coming from. I think it was some of it feels a bit patty, and the book. I mean, I feel like the book could have all almost been like a thirty-page short story and still gotten the same amount of stuff across. Hmm. But that's fair. I don't know. It's maybe it's that's also because I was reading the whole time. I was reading, and I'm like, eh, I'm reading. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is also like it is a it's a fiction book. Obviously, Siddhartha, the name Siddhartha. Is yeah. obviously an allusion to Siddhartha Gautama, the uh, historical Buddha figure. I was doing Which, some research a while back, honestly, not, not even in pre- preparation for this book. Maybe it was the first time I was reading this spec, because um, there was a kind of rough time when I was first reading this. But when I was first reading this, I did uh, look up kind of the history of the historical Buddha it's a very interesting thing like i had obviously well maybe not obviously but i had done some uh research previously like into buddhism and into usually i will always go with the historical version of things because that's just like how my bent has been i'm not usually immediately drawn to the spiritual stuff but um it really interesting guy basically lived in nepal i didn't think it was that far up you know he's like over over on the i guess east northeast side of india i thought it was like in my head i thought it was like towards the you know afghanistan hind the kush valley that kind of shit uh, i honestly couldn't have said if you until you told me right there i uh i definitely have never been too concerned with the actual history of anything i am all about uh getting through the present <laughs> hmm. um 
but yeah, I, it's uh, there. Yeah, definitely the uh, overlap between the Buddha as a person, though. I do, I do uh, say they're pretty clear, and uh, they actually have another character called Gotama who is referred to of as course, the, Buddha. the Buddha. Yeah, he is <laughs> so, the actual Buddha in the, this I mean, story. That just shows Herman Hesse wasn't worried about too much about the creativity in names. He was like he was more about telling the. Uh, telling the well, not even telling the story so much as uh conveying the m- intent of the story right. this is like so like this some folks and i think it's fair because it's written by a german swiss dude who uh you know spent a little bit of time traveling in indonesia and sri lanka and out in the east but like he he wrote this book in 1922 it's right on the back of like the heyday of full-on european orientalism so i think it's fair to think that maybe it's it's this book maybe is it's writing about this concept these concepts of spirituality and finding the self maybe with rose-tinted glasses because he thinks of it as like eastern mysticism in a way that's more powerful than anything he can find in his uh in his real life yeah, that rose, those rose-tinted glasses will actually touch on my second <laughs> – or technically my third gripe if we're going in chronological order of the book. So, Well, give me, uh, well hit me with your second. Well, I mean I, I, I figured we I would get to the second gripe as we went down the uh, order of okay. the book. <laughs> yeah, I was kind of like thinking uh, – so we start out though. Yeah, he's a, he's a young Brahmin, which is basically like a – Brahmin are like holy people. Uh, right. They have – they're not like rich, but they don't want for anything you know, because of donations to their right. causes and their belief and whatnot. In the caste and, uh, system of uh, – india in in i mean which continues to this day in in some senses in a lot of ways i think but there's the brahmin are the the priestly class the kshatriya are like the the historically warrior classes the noblemen the leaders um and then there's the vaisha i think i can't remember and the shudra who make up the artisan and working classes uh, and then, of course, like untouchables, but they never really get beyond the fact that he was the son of a Brahmin, the priestly class who don't really want for anything because they get donations, like you said. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and during that time, uh, there's one comment that is made that he's made about uh, all the sacrifices they make to the gods that I thought was kind of interesting. Let's talk because we were talking just the other day about uh, God being money. Well, the other day being in our last episode about God mm-hmm. being money and, uh, you know, the parallels there, if you take this line. In that context, it's pretty interesting. Uh, the uh, uh, did sacrifices give happiness? And what about the gods? Was it really the Prajapati who had created the world? Was it not Atman alone who had created it? Were not the gods' forms created like you and me, mortal, transient? Was it therefore good and right? Was it sensible and worthy to act? It were, uh, was it sen- was it a sensible and worthy act to offer sacrifices to the gods? To whom else should one offer sacrifices? To whom else should one pay honor? But to him, Atman, the Holy One. Uh, just talking about like we you know we sacrifice everything for this god of capital, uh, and you know it's ultimately more of an unethical thing, you know. And I just thought that was mm-hmm. a nice, nice little parallel with our last episode. If you take that line in that context, absolutely, yeah. Plus, it's also it's an early indicator, you know. It's really quick out the gate that he's not satisfied with the world as it exists, like the the kind of trappings that the people around him take on and that the world kind of expects him to wear as well. 
which I suppose is expected of people in modern society as well. You have to, you're expected to be a functioning worker or a cog in some profit engineering machine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it definitely uh, touches early on that he's uh, not happy with a life of just worship in the name because he's, mm-hmm. that's what he's told he's supposed to do. Right. And he's done it. He's done it really well up until this point. He's oh, yeah, like he's... proved everybody he's really fucking smart. He can win all the arguments with the Brahmins, the yeah. elders. You know, he throughout the book, it's like, oh yeah, whatever this guy decides to set his mind to, he's very successful at. Yeah. Um, uh, which uh, you know, he's uh, he gets bored with very quickly, and uh, as before another 10 pages has passed he's decided yeah this brahmin thing is kind of lame i'm gonna go be a person who denies himself everything he possibly can right which is uh referred to them as uh what is that what are the uh, samanas samana it was a different i I forgot a lot of those words yeah i think Uh, at least in my version it's there are some uh yeah samana it's there are some Samana, okay. translations that are slightly different, both from the German and also from um, Indian language that it's taken from. Because uh, I, I looked up the Samanas. Essentially, you know what Jainism is? Jainism? Yeah. It's essentially those are the types yeah, that no he's referencing. Whatsoever. Right. It's the it's the ascetics. It's people who deny their bodies and deny themselves any pleasures. And in that pain, try to develop a force of will that can conquer you know not just their inner selves or not just their outer selves you know through hunger and through fatigue but also their inner selves and he goes on this trip of course with his best friend who was another brahmin son govinda yeah both of uh, them seeking out to find this like truth yeah they're both unfulfilled in their current culture and decide to seek the one that will uh makes them feel more that like them well either more like themselves or less like themselves because i actually mm-hmm. talk about that too the whole idea of the flight from the self yeah which uh that was the next passage i thought was interesting the idea that this whole denialism that the samana, samana practice that it's just a different drug of choice and there's mm-hmm. a line here uh to do what is what is meditation what is the abandonment of the body what is fasting what is the holding of breath it is flight from the self a temporary escape from the torment of the self a temporary palliative against the pain and folly of life it's uh skipping uh yeah, the, dri- the driver of oxen makes the same flight takes the same temporary drug when he drinks a few bowls of rice wine or coconut milk at the end you know the idea that it's just it's just another self-denialism is just another uh, drug of choice to make sure that you're not actually analyzing you know your own feelings and sensibilities right yeah i think it's a an interesting point because you know part of me thinks that self-denial and self-discipline and the things that you can learn from uh that kind of chosen austerity that chosen like self-austerity asceticism i'm not saying like the forced austerity that we all live under with capitalism being the driving force but deciding to go without for a purpose of fasting in particular i've always kind of thought that was i think that's like something that can help you i think that's something that can help make you a more strong person uh in general um but he i think that that passage that you just read too makes an incredibly salient point in that what are you doing except for running away 
from what he would call like the Atman, the the soul, the self, divi- de- dis- destroying your body so that you don't have to reckon with on equal footing the person that you actually are. Mm-hmm. I mean, and I get it. I use escapism too. I don't do the hard stuff like self-denial. I do the opposite one, which is, hey, uh, life is terrible, so I'm just going to have drinks when I come home from work every day. Yeah. You know, <laughs> no. I, I mean, you're talking to the preacher of the choir here, man. Well, I mean, you say that you you quit drinking, so I haven't quit quit, but yes, I actually have done pretty good recently, not drinking. I don't know. Yeah. I still, I That's still would say I have. There are very few days that I am not having some alcohol, so mm-hmm. I'm not there yet. But I mean, I'm who's to say I'm going to get there? I'm not too worried about it. I just, right. I, I'm being a nihilist like I am. I don't put too much stake in. How, how you get through the life as long as you're not hurting anyone else mm-hmm. this is true anyways uh yeah point being though he he's right now in the path of denial and he does learn a lot from it you know i mean in the sense that he becomes able to basically have superhuman self-restraint and yeah super can also apparently hypnotize people with his eyeballs <laughs> because yeah. magic he magically hypnotized the old samana man i was like whoa bro that yeah. seems like just to toss in like randomly force of will like superpowers. They do. I mean, they're still trying to tell something of similar to a Jesus or Buddha narrative where it's mm-hmm. like, oh, yeah, he's just a, he's uh, a dude with a lot of uh, sensibility and a very smart dude and also some superpowers. Maybe some superpowers, <laughs> but the superpowers he came by, honestly, he wasn't yeah. born with these superpowers. Yeah, he sheer force of will. Anyway, uh, it's a little ridiculous, but, you know. Uh, he it proves to the Samana leader that it's like, yeah, I'm ready to move on. I want to seek other things. When he talks to him about heading off to hear about this uh, messiah figure who's appeared elsewhere, mm-hmm. this other Buddha guy whose name is Gotama. Um, yes, so then him and Govinda are off one. on their next part of the journey. And so far, we've got a very like JRPG structure so far. But that's because that I mean the first acts of the hero's journey usually are very JRPG esque. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, him and him and Govinda. Uh, decide to move on to the next part of the journey, head off to meet this Gotama dude. And they don't do really do like the walking across the overworld map part in these books. So poof, they're there all of a sudden. So, yeah. They go um, for a walk in the forest. You know, they've been living in Samana world for a long time, so they can live without. And the, you just kind of, he gives a very brief, you know, like, and they went there and they just kind of got that way. Um, and they, they end up uh, in the town, ta- I guess, the town. Which I guess is, you know, better than padding it out for another 40 or 50 pages with filler about <laughs> <Yeah>. travel. <laughs> yeah, And they rolled the on the encounter table, and they had to fight <laughs> two wolves on the way. <laughs> yeah, there's no, um, the, the point of the book is more for these interactions that kind of distill the spiritual journey that they're going on. Because in it, they spend three years with the Samanas, but it's you know obviously they tell you what they did, which is fasting, thinking, and waiting. But they don't, of course, take you through all of what one must assume is their travels and their their trials. Yeah, um, they just decide to skip to the actual big beats of uh, Siddhartha's spiritual journey mm-hmm. because that's you know kind of what the whole point of this book is is. is the journey of the self, this uh, sense of finding one's inner spirit, and uh, it'd be kind of silly if they focused on stuff that didn't have anything to do with that. Yeah. Um. So yeah, there they are on their way to Gautama, and they meet him, and he says some cool stuff about uh, 
the ideas of uh, the, the you know basically basically good and evil. Yeah, he, he glorified puts out fancy the ways of putting good and evil. He's like, hey, follow the eightfold path. You know, find the middle way. It's they kind of just say he did the normal things that he always says because it's Buddhism. But yeah, um, yeah. Uh, Siddhartha. Wait. Govinda is smitten with the Buddhism, oh, by the way. Govinda's like, like, yep, this is my shit. This is what I'm after, bruv. And uh, Govinda becomes a monk. Uh, he thinks Govinda has left the party. <laughs> <laughs> Govinda, like, he thinks that Siddhartha's going to join with him, too. But um, Siddhartha is like, very good. Excellent. I was afraid that you'd never do something for yourself. I'm glad that you've made this decision and I will not be joining you. Because yeah. he's come to he's this... He realizes Believe. that it's someone else's. The the while it while he while this uh, Gautama guy has definitely found his Zen, his truth. It is it, the, he's preaching his truth, not someone else's truth. And right. Arthur recognizes that as, that's not my truth. That's your truth. Right. And I'm glad you found it. He. <laughs> this comes up later, of course, but he's done with. And at this point, he puts words to it. He's done kind of with teachers. He doesn't think that teaching will provide him with the the thing that he's looking for katama yeah, does say some badass shit though as he's leaving mm-hmm. the uh be on your guard against too much cleverness right a lot of that badass. <laughs> but yeah he is yeah he's he uh the best teacher of the uh, yeah he talks about the best way to learn about the self is from the self yes which um you know i think is pretty fair I think that it's um, not exactly because I think I've I've learned many things, and so had he. Obviously, in this book, I've learned many things from teaching. I've learned many things from kind of the the prescriptions of others. Um, but it is kind of common knowledge, common wisdom, to say that you have to experience the world and experience your own troubles to kind of understand it. At a at a deeper level, mm. yeah, it makes sense to me, and uh, it fits with uh, kind of the route that he starts taking because he realizes he needs to reevaluate his sense of everything he's learned so far. You know, basically go for a rebirth, as it were. And uh, this brings us to part two of the book as he wanders away from Gotama uh, and his people, the Buddha. Uh, and uh, I always, when I pictured this in my head, like as a smash cut in the movie, you know, like it fades out mm-hmm. on him walking away from Gotama's encampment. And then it just says part two on the screen in like white text. And it's song, ooh, baby, do you know what it's worth? Ooh, heaven is a place on earth. He like starts playing as this part two comes in and it shows like a couple years later. And he's started looking into the journey of like actually seeing joy in the world rather than looking uh, strictly living by denialism. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you know, I mean, I, when I started part two, that really is like the vibe of the first like chapter and some change of part two right. is finding his joy and Zen in the world around him. Right. He strikes out and he because he's separated himself for the first time from what it seems to be like his seeking, his actual seeking. He's think he's maybe he's hit on a true thing. He uh, he hears in his in his mind's head. He hears in his head, I guess, the holy word that he was taught to say as a child, but never really heard back from the world. He hears Om, which 
you know, as it, you know, you probably heard it's, that. Yeah, it's a, a meditation. Times. It's the it's meditation fancy meditation thing. word that people yeah. don't use correctly. No, <laughs> uh, but the. I um, mean, I know I've used it incorrectly plenty of time. Oh yeah. The downright and downright in ways that might be considered appropriative. <laughs> <laughs> probably, maybe. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he's he's like it's it's hitting towards that um, that he's on the the path the right path essentially and it sends him out into the forest until he sees a uh, a beautiful woman being uh carried on a palanquin into a town whose name a, whose name is unfortunately kamala but we just yeah. have to move on from it just i'm just gonna go not, past it past on, my brain has been poisoned on that name and yeah. it's a shame it's a shame i think she might even be named after this character it's maybe possible. not possible i don't know I don't whatever know. anyways point being it's, uh, it's a hashtag not all Kamala's <laughs> um anyways uh yeah he meets this uh yeah, yeah this uh beautiful essentially escort she's you know that's how yeah, she she's a courtesan she uh yeah. but I guess you know she works for she works for the rich and famous or general not rich and famous per se but she is a high end she's high end and oh, yeah. she's fancy but you know she actually uh likes Siddhartha in a more not you know she does say that if you want me, you still need to give me all the gifts and the money and stuff like that. But you seem cute, so you know, mm-hmm. maybe give well, me a discount. It's yeah, good. it's fairly quick. Like the the same kind of talk that Siddhartha makes is the same kind of speaking kind of voice that Kamala has. In that she's obviously super sharp. She's incredibly smart, and uh, she knows her fucking shit. She knows how to. She knows the many facets and many ways to make people very pleasured. Um, yeah. And she, and she makes a neat commentary about why she's not scared to do her line of work. And it's, it's basically, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, you, uh, yeah, the robber can like steal money, can steal all kinds of other stuff. No one can steal love. Yeah. She makes that comment. That love can never one. be stolen. She chooses to get whether or not, even if somebody, you know, would attempt to rape her is yeah her body that's not love though right there's what she's giving is not what she's well she isn't giving what they're being denied yeah what they're being denied is her giving them actual pleasure which is you know she knows it's like kama sutra type stuff you know yeah she knows the human body very well that's kind of her shit like siddhartha is like he's never kissed a girl he doesn't know nothing about no one uh, physically at least and he's like I want to be taught by the best so he and then the book gets horny for like two pages and it's like all right we're, we're done with that <laughs> they do get horny for two pages which out of a book that's like 120 pages at least my version is it's like it's a yeah. fair chunk no I, I mean I don't know I don't think I, I I think that they definitely minimize the yeah it's not sex like crazy. part portion of the book I mean certainly like it's over no, it's no romance novel we'll put it that no, way no <laughs> But he has to – in order to win her favors, he has to become a man of the world. He has to become like wealthy in some ways. He has to be able to dress well. He has to be able to you know, prove himself in her court as a courtly person. And so he goes and joins up with a person that Kamala recommends named Kama Swami, a local town merchant. And this guy, he's – you know, we I, I always assume of as like – like a short a short dude like he's always counting his coins and that shit he's a, you know he's a he's a merchant he's how you would imagine him to be and he's real quick pretty... before we jump into uh this stuff because I, I miss i miss one little passage earlier that mm-hmm. i wanted to address just touch on and it's uh an acknowledgement this book makes right towards the end of the kamala chapter which is why siddhartha has managed to 
have as much success in his life as he has thus far. And it's turned out addressed. Oh yeah. He's hot people. Hot people get things. It's uh, like they're, they, they, they address on page 60. Let me find the passage here to do. Um, Oh, here we go. Ah, perhaps it is, as you say, my French said softly, perhaps it is also because Siddhartha has, is a handsome man because his glance pleases women that he is lucky. But yeah, it's just, it's just a dress. Hot people have easier lives, you know? So yeah, Siddhartha has done a lot of self-suffering. It's like they'll self-sacrifice, but it was probably easier for him because he's hot people. And now he needs to learn how to actually go work like a normal people. Right, so he joins and, up with uh, this merchant in town who's, of course, like, he's been or- instructed by Kamala not to allow himself to be treated like a subordinate. He needs to be a, work as an equal. And so he, like, first, firstly, he plays, essentially. He gets well in with Kamaswami. They get set up real easy. Um, he lives at the, the place because he proves that he can read and write, and that's obviously a very important skill in 200 BC. Uh, so they're working together and at first he doesn't really care he's doing all of this so that he oh, yeah. can be with kamala actually he, he's kind of a game well i mean a lot of things in this so far have been kind of a game to him and he mm-hmm. actually talks about this uh, uh what i thought was the patch i thought was neat just uh kamala swami conducted his business with care and often with passion uh, but siddhartha regarded it all as a game the rules of which he endeavored to learn well but did not stir his heart uh so right off the bat like all oh, these grind for gold video games they all suck yeah. it's just <laughs> it's, uh very boring he doesn't Um, really care he sees it as a like he's like it said in the book it's a game it's um you know if he wins money in a if he gets profit he's like cool if he loses it he smiles he laughs it off he allows himself to be cheated he allows people the kids of the town to like take small coins out of his pocket because he just he's at that point he he still knows how to wait and be patient and how to be uh, you know, how to fast. So he's not like necessarily worried about his next meal or anything. Yeah. The only reason he's doing it is because he does like the other game that he's very fond of, which is the having sex game, mm-hmm. which, you know, and he I learns mean, whatever, kind they... of games, whatever kind of games uh, work for you. I don't know who knows what kind of games they play in the bedroom. <laughs> Anyways. uh, So, yeah, he's uh. Yeah, he's learning his he's learning the trade. He's very good at business inherently, but he doesn't give a shit about it at first. But then, you know, like a lot of people, once they start becoming richer, he gets corrupted by money and then he starts being a shittier person. Yeah, I mean, he over years, like decades, he lives in this town and he learns from Kamaswami and he learns from Kamala kind of the ways of being a worldly person of living inside of a of what's called samsara which in buddhism and you know very easy like brief read of it is it's the wheel that we all live in it's the cycle of birth and rebirth that we're all tied to that we're uh, essentially if you achieve nirvana you're breaking away from samsara which is of course life and yeah, nirvana his, is I enlightenment mean- his like this passage his face was still more clever and intellectual than other people's but he rarely laughed and mm-hmm. gradually his face assumed the expressions which are so often found among rich people the expressions of discontent of sickliness of displeasure of idleness of lovelessness that's that too many commas thing i was talking about <laughs> anyways slowly the soul sickness of the rich crept over him i just like that line the soul sickness of the rich well, that is a good one that is yeah. a good one because he's, so, yeah, like, um, he's looking for any – at that point, he's looking for any kind of 
I don't know, like feeling because he's demanding uh, he's nobody wants to gamble with him, but he always gambles because he's like throwing huge stakes in because he just doesn't care. He wants to lose. If he loses, he doesn't he, he wants that anxiety. And if he wins, then he gets that, you know, kind of a little excitement before it goes away again. Yeah, which I mean, it just shows that uh, capitalism is destroying his soul. And that's addressed shortly after, actually, in a different passage here. The uh, uh, property, possessions, and riches had also finally trapped him. They were no longer a game, a toy, but had become a chain and a burden. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. so yeah, fuck capitalism. Yeah, and so Ruined he's spiritual like, lives. He's like living this, these decades, these years of a worldly life. And eventually it drives him kind of insane. He has a horrible dream about Kamala. She has this beautiful songbird that she keeps in a cage in her uh, home in her pleasure garden. And he has a dream that it dies, that it it passes away and it can't it, can't, it never got to fly or anything. Um, and so he he freaks the fuck out. He has one last you know, one last little tryst talks to uh, Kamala. Yeah, I mean, they, got, you know, gotta make sure he's well, good and well drained before he wanders <laughs> off into the wilderness again. Yeah, and of course they mention like, oh, and that was she's pregnant. But yeah. he wanders off into the, uh, into the forest again, the one that he wandered through in the oh, beginning. We kind of skipped this on the way to Kamala. Oh he my gosh, how do I miss that? Yeah. So on the way before he gets to this town. Before so he like flashback a couple decades. <laughs> yeah, before he makes this journey into the world of earthly delights and shit, he has to cross after he's had this beautiful vision uh, and heard the perfect ohm, and he's just left Gotama. He's crossing this river, and he has nothing to pay with this guy, uh, this ferryman who takes him across the river, this older guy. Um, but the older man is like, don't worry about it. Everybody comes back here. I can see in your eyes that you will be back here and that you will repay me then and it will not worry. And they stay the night. They get become, you know, pretty quick friends. Um, and then and, and then cut to, you know, he gets over to the other side. All the Kamala stuff happens. All the Kama Swami stuff happens. He gets miserable with his life. He decides to walk away from it all in the middle of the night. Yeah. So anyways, we're back at that same river. He wakes his, makes his way back. He feels horribly sick by the life that he's led, that he's lost all of the things that he learned as a Samana and as a Brahmin's son. And he looks into this river that he crossed the last time and thinks about killing himself. He thinks he's at this horribly low point where he's recognized that everything in life that 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 worldly life is meaningless, that it's all been pain for him and in that deeply dark moment he hears again that perfect ohm that kind of holy word like reaching out from in his mind at least seemingly the river yeah and i mean they actually kind of do a whole thing about oh yeah sometimes you just have to hit rock bottom to really bounce back and find your new self you know so he he hit rock bottom he hits his rock bottom and he has this like kind of a kind of epiphany before he sits under a mango tree right there at the river and kind of just like sits there and contemplates it. He's still in his nice clothes. He's like, you know, probably all dirtied up by being in the forest and all that, but he's in his nice clothes and he sits there 
and passes the fuck out under this mango tree. Yep. And uh, <clears throat> then uh, he meets someone before the before he meets uh before he meets the ferryman again. He is encountered by someone else underneath the mango tree as he considers you know his uh leaving of his own sense of self and that is a journeyer from uh the old gotama people who uh are trying to reach his message far and wide yeah this and monk. lo and behold it's his <laughs> old friend govinda yep his friend govinda he's this monk who has broken away from the traveling followers of gotama just to make sure that this sleeping dude doesn't get bit by a snake but he then himself falls asleep yeah Good guard, good watch shooting. Good stuff, bud. <laughs> and he doesn't even he doesn't recognize him, of course, because he's this new worldly guy. It's a completely different Siddhartha that he's seeing in front of him. He's like he knew him as the Siddhartha the Samana, and he knew him as the Siddhartha the Brahmin son, but he had never met Siddhartha the worldly man of money and influence. Yeah, but he's like, oh well, nice to see you again. I'm glad you're okay. All right, bye. And then he yeah. just carries on to where he's- Siddhartha used to be. So that's a, that was his second encounter with Govinda, post or the first one post him leaving, I yes. guess. Um, and then yeah, the ferryman shows back up and he's like, "Hey, uh, I got these nice clothes I can give you as a passage, but uh, teach me about the water." And yeah. Essentially, he does the cab driver therapy thing where the cabbie is just sitting there quietly, and he's like, "I'm going to spill my heart and soul to you." <laughs> yeah. He so this guy, this ferryman named Vasudeva is a um he's an older man his wife has died so he invites siddhartha into his home to live with him and be another ferryman he learns how to row the boat he learns how to take people across the ferry and most importantly he learns how to listen which is really at this point he had been seeking he had been looking but he had never allowed himself to be kind of open and allowed himself to be at the uh kind of accept into him the the information that the world simply has in front of you yeah well i mean and that's actually addressed in a later passage more thoroughly but before we get there he uh you know he he he, he spends a lot of time kind of just absorbing the river uh sensing you know that sense of tranquility the calm that it is always moving somewhere you know always mm-hmm. moving forward never backwards uh but in perpetuity you know it's just it, it, he finds it as a good metaphor for the way that life needs to flow. Um, and, you know, just kind of like, so, so I'm going to keep living with you for a while and learn from this. And so they kind of like live like uh, brothers, basically, you know, for several, several years. And uh, uh, meanwhile, Govinda's people are off in that town he used to live in, uh, preaching about Gautama and getting convertees. And then Gautama is supposed to be dying, supposedly. So, a lot of people are like, we need to cross back across. And one of the new convertees is Kamala with her kid, mm-hmm. who she also named Siddhartha. Smart move. Smart move. Yeah. It's easy to figure out that that's him because his name so. Siddhartha. <laughs> so, yeah. But uh, so they're traveling to go uh, find Gautama on his deathbed for, you know, kind of a spiritual journey thing. She gets bit by a snake on the shore before uh, the ferryman get to her. And then she sees Siddhartha one last time before dying. And then Siddhartha tries to raise his son, but he's a little shit and has no interest in that. Um, and he pushes way too hard about it and it doesn't really go anywhere. And it was about this time I had my second gripe with the book, which is I realized I don't care about any of these characters. They're not interesting narrative characters on their own merits. Like 
it's it's a neat book concept. Our, our overarching like spirituality and the ideas of the book are cool, but the characters are just uninteresting to me. Because it was around the time I was dealing with the kid. I'm like, yeah, no, fuck this kid, and fuck kind of this whole man. Eh. Mm-hmm. This this whole section of the book, I had no notes other than this kind of sucks. <laughs> yeah, like the these these characters aren't necessarily meant to exist in the kind of way that like you get to know a uh, like a. a a modern fiction book or even like if you read Hesse's other book Steppenwolf you kind of get to know a bit more of the idiosyncrasies of Harry Holler the main guy in that um this is definitely like I said earlier like that biblical style where it's more about a, it's a, it's almost just a parable it's almost like telling you the story of a person who's gone through these things without telling you necessarily all of their personality traits. Because, yeah, I mean, like, all of these guys, they kind of exist as as caricatures so that you can more readily accept them into a story, see them in your mind's eye, and then move on into the actions that they're doing. I suppose, but I just... I felt anything more detached from the from the journey because of the mm-hmm. fact that none of the characters were interesting to me. But, you know, I... Uh, I reckon, I mean, I'm not, I don't know. I, I'm not trying to say I could write a better book. Just, I'm, I was dis- disinvested from the get-go because books already kind of suck. Because, again, why not just, like, do something cool, like play a video game? <laughs> stop stop being a nerd and play a video game. <laughs> um, no, uh, I don't know. It's it, it, it was just a gripe that I noticed around that time when they were talking about him trying to raise his kid and the kid being resilient to it, and then him just being like, well, then I guess I'll let you go because I love you. And I'm like, none of that spoke to me in any way, shape, or form. <laughs> yeah, it's so. like... Um, it's... So, like, his, his trouble with his kid is... I've read this book twice now. Um, and it's a weird part in the book where it's like the kid exists as a as like a a point along the journey for Siddhartha as opposed to his own character obviously because this book isn't about him and it's kind of to remind him that he himself like left his father and left all of that behind and he has inflicted this same wound that he now has on himself this wound of passion and love that um, instead of chasing and reopening and trying to force this child into his life, he's allowing to this kid, uh, we assume must have lived with them for quite some time because he, he now is capable of crossing the river by himself, you know, can do all of that um, yeah. and escape into this new world. Um so he, which was his old world, the right? One, you know, which is his old world, of course. Yeah, um, and it's, it's like, damn, more I sure to, miss capitalism. I better go back to that stuff. Yeah, that guy. Uh, the 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 thing about that is more that his wound needs healing. That this passionate feeling that he. He thought he never would have love. He thought he'd never have the same kind of attachment that people have had, that people in the world that he had just, that he had previously lived with Kamala. Like, he thought that that was out of his reach. And that was one of the final experiences for him to to feel and heal from. 
Yeah, I, I mean, I got that. That it was meant to be a, a, a an opportunity to express him getting in touch with different parts of his humanity um, as part of his spiritual journey. But that, it's not that I was disinterested in the moral messaging, just that the actual, the actual like lived-in world felt very uh, disinteresting to me in that moment, especially. Mm-hmm. You know, but, you know, I mean, it still still carries on the neat narrative and we're getting to the end of it here, which is shortly after the kid leaves and goes back about his life. uh, Vasuveda uh, is like, hey, time for me to wander off into nowhere, have fun with uh, taking over the the business deuces. And then he just kind of walks off into the distance. Um, You know, it's a neat. It's the scene is cooler than that. I'm obviously simplifying it, but there's a lot of fancy words to say basically that. Um, yeah, so we've hit a point where suddenly Siddhartha is by himself by the river, just listening to the perfect ohm, as they, as they say, that's provided by the running water. And uh, this brings us to the very last stretch, which is Govinda showing up one more time. Yeah, he's uh, – I can't remember the exact thing that brings him across the river, but uh, Gautama, I suppose – or the followers of Gautama just kept uh, moving on along, doing different shit. I guess the grove that Kamala had donated to them is keeping them pretty busy, or they keep they keep going to it. Um, but Govinda is crossing the river, and of course doesn't recognize his friend again. Uh, yeah, until, it has been another like twenty years or whatever. Right, it's been a good while. Uh, these are two older men now um, who maybe who set out on this as children, um, and so he doesn't recognize his friend until Siddhartha mentions Govinda's name mm-hmm. and they have a discussion. They say, you know, like Govinda is still a seeker. He stills looking yeah, for is... the enlightenment that Gautama was teaching and that he and Siddhartha had initially stepped out to try and find. But and this, yeah, this is the part where you were talking about earlier seeking, and I'm like, yeah, there's a passage later I want to address, and that's this one about seeking versus finding here. When someone is seeking, said Siddhartha, it happens quite easily that only he sees the, that he only sees the thing he is seeking. He is unable to find anything, unable, uh, unable to absorb anything, because he is only thinking of the thing he is seeking. Because he has a goal, because he is obsessed with his goal, seeking means to have a goal, but finding means to be free, to be receptive, to have no goal. So yeah, yeah. I thought that was neat. It is. It's like um, it's the experiential. It's essentialism is what they're kind of saying. Is that there's of course not everything is an illusion that needs to be decoded. Sometimes things are just life, and you need to experience them. Um, and knowing that, and knowing the that you can, you don't need to code everything in words. That you can live a what a life of experience that will enlighten you is what Siddhartha tries to communicate to Govinda, who is still, he's still looking through it as the, through the lens that he learned from Gotama. And here, one second. welcome back thank you i was doing hold music (laughs) thank you (laughs) uh 
But yeah, he's like communicating to Govinda that this is a world that you don't need to look through the prism of everything as being an illusion, essentially. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, if they are illusion, I'm also an illusion mm-hmm. there. So, so they're the same nature of myself. Uh, and then, of course, you get some, some love is all you need kind of stuff, which I think is always – I mean, love is all you need. But then he also says, it's like right afterwards, oh, but love is also fake, just like everything. It's all an illusion, but also it's not an illusion. What's it? Yeah. And it's like, cool. So basically, that's uh, that's the kind of wishy-washy stuff that uh, I feel like dim- honestly – for the third and final gripe, which is the core ideology of this book, occasionally not even is confused, just seems uh, disinterested in saying anything in specific to make sure that it's never like it never goes fully into the territory of being wrong. Rather than risk being wrong, I'm just not going to say I'm going to say like both sides of the story. Well, it's a very squishy. Uh, it's a very squishy uh, analysis of like the Buddhist tradition and the tradition of like eastern uh enlightenment because he's not trying to go through step by step each of the eightfold path or any of that he's trying to tell you brief in a brief book a story of a single man finding that there is unity in all things because that ends up being the true enlightenment govinda kisses his old friend's forehead and he sees all of the lives that we are living in the now in the past and in the future and recognizing that just like the river is at the mouth of the at the mouth as well as at the source as well as right around your ankles it's all places at all times that we're always at all places in all times of our incarnations that we exist as a not a single point but as a cloud of existence of a cloud of all over the place. Honestly, I was thinking about this in a, uh, similar to the Kurt Vonnegut book, the um, slaughterhouse five, because in that the trial famadorians exist in a kind of timeless uh, state. They don't experience time as we three dimensional beings exist in it. You know, they see it all splayed out they see us like we're caterpillars like each movement that we make it it leaves you know it's it's not even a moment that you're in you exist in all of those moments well i'll take your word for that analysis because i have not read that book so it's a good book it's (laughs) it's pretty fun i mean i know you like your sci-fi yeah yeah, i do i have uh i even when i did read books i was always more of a high fantasy guy oh i love my fantasy too you know that's fair. Well, I don't know. This book was this book definitely had some cool spiritual messages, but I did feel like I, the core ideology, that idea that our, our sense of unity has to overcome all other things. I, I don't know if I agree with it, you know, because mm. I mean, that it, it does kind of send this idea of, yeah, like we need to even be unified with, you know, the parts of this world that we hate. And I'm like, no, I think we need to start chopping them off, you know, but that's just me. Well, yeah, I'm not saying when I suggested this book. Um, partly it was because it was short and because it would kind of tie in with the spiritualism of our last episode. But the, oh, yeah, uh, I mean, I, I was, I mean, this thing, a good book club isn't about always reading a book that you agree with a hundred percent of the things in. it's about getting a good analysis in. Right. And this is not to say either that, um, uh, most people would say that Hesse's best book is Steppenwolf. 
and I have Steppenwolf, and I thought about maybe us doing that um, because it's it's about a it's about like a middle aged guy who's trying to deal with a dual nature inside of him. He's trying to deal with it's that it's kind of that meme of there are two wolves inside of him, but there's not two wolves. There's one wolf, and then him hiding as a a frail middle aged man renting out a room in a German town and thinking that he has. He has like an inner life, but one that's incredibly sad and that one that's like depressed all the time. But his wolf comes out and he can be a more interesting, more fulfilled person. Um, so that it's an interesting book. I, I've not launched an army to, of memes about you have two wolves. Right, so. right. It's there's a it's it's not a bad book. It's um, I haven't been able to finish it because I started it while I was still riding the train and then uh shit change so i set it down and i haven't gotten back to it but um and we can potentially put it on a future book club yeah maybe it's a good one it's still only like 200 and it's like 200 no it's like right on the dot 200 pages the copy i have um but it's i think this one the siddhartha is firstly i'm coming to this the first time i read it um was at the beginning of this year and it was while i was with Lucy when her mom was passing away. Um, so I have a bit of a, a, a bit of, there's a bit of more meaning, I think, attached to this book just because it was, it, you know, it's a simple story. It doesn't give you, like you said, it's not about these individual characters in so much as it is about the idea of seeing the world as unified. And he doesn't necessarily say in in his analysis, it's Siddhartha, the character's analysis, that things are good, that like people are inherently good. He's not even saying that necessarily you shouldn't fight against things. But he is saying that he's living his his truth. Of course, it's a very individualist type thing to say that but his truth is recognizing that we are all unified that we all exist from a single source that brahma that everybody is coming from the same thing when we die we become dirt and that dirt becomes a plant or an animal or something will eat that dirt you know we we all there there's a unity to our spiritual nature as well as our bodily nature. Well, I think that's an interesting, if very like surface level read on this kind of, this kind of mystic, mystic, uh, spiritualism. I mean, I don't disagree with the theoretical, uh, mysticism provided by that, but I also do think that, uh, part of, part of, your deeper attachment does come from the fact that you just you're always going to find more meaning during meaningful times. Yeah. So, uh, you know. yeah. I mean, the second time I read it, there I, there were parts that hit me less hard. Obviously, yeah. um, I don't know. I mean, it's it's a neat book. It's got a lot of neat messages about spirituality and the sense of the the idea of the self versus the world around you. I just I. I'll put it this way. I'm glad I read it. I thought it was a very fun experiment to do, uh, and it made for a good discussion. I would not put it as a one of my favorite books by any stretch. Like, I don't know. It's 
No, I have books that I, I enjoy I don't reading. Say, I don't want to say it's not even in the top half because I've read some shitty books. So I don't I've know. read bad books, but I, um, yeah, it's I don't better know. than I The Great Gatsby. It's <laughs> worse than the Harry Potter books, and that tells you about where I'm at. <laughs> uh, no, I don't know. The Harry Potter books have their own problems now, but that's more because of the author and yeah. her stances and being I a mean, terrible person. We can get into a little bit of this guy. He's not exactly a perfect dude because he's a German born in the late 19th yeah, century. Yeah, the 1900s, uh, the 1900, early 1900s late Germans. 18, yeah, late 19th century. Yeah. So he's born in like 1877. He goes through kind of his own little spiritual uh He's from like a super spiritual Lutheran family. He attempts suicide as a kid, but like he he's he's like isolated. He feels very isolated, which they get into a lot more in the uh, in Steppenwolf. He's kind of like he's living this petty bourgeois lifestyle. He's living kind of detached from things, which I think is an interesting parallel to kind of how um, Siddhartha lives in his uh, worldly years is that. You know, he's not satisfied. He has that sickly look of a uh, of the wealthy. He's not necessarily fucking loaded or nothing. His parents, you know, his his grandparents, his grandpa managed a publishing house, which wasn't any small feat. And his dad worked at it until he managed it. Um, But, you know, it's comfortable. It's not it's not struggle yeah i mean he has the comforts afforded to him by being part of a an oppressive regime of racists well he they weren't well they were i suppose all all european countries were but they weren't nazis until later on um and he wasn't in nazi germany when it was the world war one germans still weren't good people no imperialist imperial (laughs) germany is not a good germany and that there may there may never have been a good germany just like there's never been a good america but um the 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 guy you know he's not a he's not a perfect angel you know he he worked for the he was in the imperial army he wasn't in a, a combat but he worked for them and then he uh during the nazi regime when he was living in switzerland yeah he was married to a jewish woman but he didn't like out and out say i hate the nazis he didn't condemn the nazis or any of that stuff uh, he it seems that maybe he had uh, provided for some people to escape from Nazi Germany, but they were his like, you know, literati friends, his petty bourgeois, as much as he might have shit on the lifestyle of it in Steppenwolf. He like he 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 drew from that class, his friends and all of the people that he cared about. So he ended up saving like two two of those people from Nazi Germany, which I suppose is more than more people than I've seen. Yeah, I mean, I guess but, that's. Uh, not not the worst German at the not time. Not the worst sure. German. Certainly not the worst <laughs> German in 1950 or whenever. Uh, yeah. But anyway, know, he's like not a perfect dude. He and Carl Jung was one of his friends because he got really into uh, uh, like psychoanalysis and all that stuff. But um, Carl Jung also has his weird like you know race science kind of shit. So all all around mixed bag. Yeah. Just like, um, although I suppose we can say like whatever, whatever J.K. Rowling writ- has had written, um, not much of a mixed bag now. Pretty comprehensively no, bad. Yeah. So I mean, better than J.K. Rowling probably, but yeah. that's not hard to you know. I mean, in this day and age, not exactly hard to do. No, <laughs> better um, than J.K. Rowling. 
I don't know. And I mean, to be fair, as one of the people who say that there are seven Harry Potter books and anything that has come afterwards is just, just no, you know, mm-hmm. like that, I, I cut my, I cut my enjoyment of the series off at before she started twitter, tweeting. Before. I watched the movies and not all of them. The movies like are them. not. Some of the them. movies are fine. They're f- First one's pretty fun. Uh, they're, they're fine. Goblet of they're they're all right. They've got their they've got their moments, I guess. I just, I've never Basket liked Band's the movies. I'd rather listen to the audiobooks any day yeah, of the week. Because who reads them? It's like a fuck. There's uh, a version uh, of them like Stephen Fry version, but a lot yeah, of people like the right. uh, Dale. What's his name? I don't know this Dale person, but I do know a Stephen Fry, and I can Some, see maybe that. Maybe Dale's last name. Nice. I'll try. Anyways, yeah, I don't know. He's, he 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 reads the, the, the. I don't know. I always like the Stephen Fry version. That's just me. Stephen Fry's voice is awesome. Um, but anyways, uh, yeah, so that's Siddhartha. I think we more or less covered the elements of uh, yeah, we what it was going for with spirituality. As we were going through them, too. Yeah, kind of like touched on each of the little parts of the journey as uh, his hero's journey that doesn't really have the normal conclusion, but instead mm-hmm. ends with, with him. I mean, he's, I guess, kind of the hero's journey. is The end of the hero's journey is just supposed to be the, you know, the discovery of the you know your goal and his goal was the self so right and he'd realized that his self was a part of the world so that yeah. was like the big the big unifying thing of his well the big enlightenment was his understanding that it was unified yeah but uh i think uh i think we're good to move on to the news blast bam let's get out of this 1920 uh, 1922 1922 book so let's that we can 100 years 2021 it's been 99 years anyways so uh let's start we're gonna do a, a a good news sandwich which is actually bad news already because the fact that there's only like two good news points and all the news that's happened recently is not ideal but we'll start out with uh the good news that happened just after our last episode dropped which was bob dole that old bob racist dole. you know conservative piece of piece of shit Boner he's gone bob dole said yeah. bob dole bob dole, bob dole. doesn't have Bob Dole doesn't have any more brain cells firing. He knows that happened a couple of decades ago, but yeah, now, that was now it's over official. Now it's official. <laughs> Even whatever was pumping that blood through him was it finally quit. Ninety six years of age. It's impressive how horrible people get to live that long. They always um, do, and they always get to die comfortably in their beds. And remembered as fucking. Why do we heroes. do this? Yeah, no, we, Biden all like, oh yeah, Bob Dole was one of the best of a generation. Great man, all around wonderful. No complaints. It's like, yeah, thanks, Biden. Yeah, thanks, Biden. Really, really standing like, up for leftist ideas. Just he like was the campaign a, promised. Right. Oh, my God. He was uh, a senator, and he lied on behalf of the tobacco industry for decades. He fucking – he's a bad person, guys. He was a Republican candidate for office. Like, how do you – how do people get over – I don't understand. I mean, if they picked – you know, if they if they saved H.W. and then his son too, like, there was never going to be any – there were never bar, yeah. going to be any barriers as long as they could complete a sentence without, you know, making them feel icky. Democrats were going to give every Republican every break. I'm just waiting for 50 years from now when we're fondly remembering Donald Trump and what a true American yeah, give it 10 he was. Years, man. Honestly, <laughs> you're when right. Ron DeSantis is president, people will be like, "Oh, remember Trump? What a great he was one of the good ones. At one least of the he good was stupid." <laughs> oh, anyways, um, 
Yeah, I mean, crab claws for Bob Dole, but another one where uh, put him in the dirt. You know, he died on his terms. <laughs> he died on his terms. He also got a fucking like and got a hero sent off. Yeah, shit. Fuck this piece of shit. He should have been shot into the sun. Along with all of his other asshole, these other assholes, like Kissinger's not even dead somehow, and we should shoot him into the sun. Yeah, uh, well, we should. I don't know why we've put up with Kissinger for so long. He's one of honestly uh, great. We lost Bob Dole; he's dead. But honestly, Hillary if we, Clinton whenever we could lose his fucking endorsement in 2016, five years ago. It's yeah, insane. But- the man who fucking carpet bombed Cambodia, like fucking wow. Yeah, there's a lot of evil people who really need to go in our society, but who just keep living to a hundred, a fucking hundred, because of course they do. The evil people have are part of the, are protected by our health care. <laughs> Those are the only people who get good health care in America are the ones who are willing to commit the most evil. It is. It is. Yeah. I should have um, gone into the CIA. They'd have covered my shit. Yeah. Those uh, those three letters are all about uh, upholding the. I mean, I'm sure you could have uh, been the same kind of good dude and been in the CIA. I definitely could have been. I'm sure. <laughs> no, I. Uh, I don't know. I mean, yeah, if you'd gone into the CIA, I'm sure you'd be doing much better at life, and you'd probably be doing a lot more evil. Oh, 100. No, you'd definitely be doing a lot more evil. You'd you know probably be doing better though. Yeah, it might be making like 10 grand more a year, and I'd have health care. <laughs> Anyway, um, yeah, so uh, Bob Dole's dead, and that's our good news. Now on to a bunch of bad news back to back. Let's start with uh, let's start with us throwing a tantrum about China having the Olympics, and they're so evil. So no, we're, we're we are not going. Fuck you. We're gonna boycott boycott the Olympics because we're America, and we're all about freedom and justice. And that means that we, you Chinese people, aren't allowed to have Olympics that are fun. Yeah. In the same year, we are going to a World Cup. In Qatar, a regime run by an emir who has used actual slave labor to build the infrastructure for the World Cup. But they're saying that it's supposedly forced labor in Uyghur concentration camps, as they've described them in the past, which have been comprehensively proven not to exist, uh, like even accepted by places like the guardian. They're like, yo, we, uh, doesn't exist actually anymore. Um, we, we, we figured that out that it doesn't actually exist. Uh, we've been taking pictures of schoolyards from satellites and saying that they were concentration camps. Uh, like they've said this, they've openly admitted it and they keep going with it because it's never going to be about truth. It's, it's always China going to bad be about, because we need to make sure communism always bad. Right. Communism is bad. China is bad. We are in – even if you don't think that communi- that China is communist or working towards communism, I think there's fair criticisms of China. But in this case, it's silly to criticize China for – Doing what is essentially a way better version of taking what would be in any other situation a very disenfranchised and dis disinherited uh, ethnic group like the Uyghurs and getting them job training and getting them language skills and putting them into spaces where they can actually become a more 
fulfilled person and better part of society as opposed to what we do here with Muslims and where what we've done all over the fucking world with Muslims, which is kill them or entrap them with FBI schemes. So it's pretty fucking rich when people say that kind of shit. And it's like you're going to boycott the diplomats are going to boycott the Olympics. Hooray. These guys don't get to take a vacation is what I'm hearing. And then we're still going to go to a literal slave state in order to play in the world cup, which yeah, well, is notoriously it's, it's, all about, it's all about signaling the, uh, the signaling the drums of war in advance. And it mm-hmm. has been the whole time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. It's the astronomy always has been. Go for Taiwan, yo. Do it. Take it. I mean, fucking plenty of Taiwanese pe- people who live in Taiwan want to be in China. So just go for it. What are we going to do? Invade you? That'd be idiotic. Both of these countries, the United States and China, because of how intertwined our economies are right now, uh, this is all going to be posturing until it really isn't. And there's. And then we'll have our fun World War Three, and that'll be that. Uh, it's going to be nukes at some point. I don't think China will shoot them. I think no, they're going to end I, up I, trying to use a Spoiler alert. Nuke. The country that's already launched nukes before will probably be the first one to launch nukes. Uh, yeah. We're probably – because fucking jackass is talking about like the Ukraine too where we're going to go over a fight for some shitty Nazis. That's insane. But that they were going to use some – some I can't remember who what, what elected official – mentioned this but there was a nationally elected official a national level elected official who said that we might consider using tactical nukes in like the donetsk the donbass it's like insane well i mean we'll have that to look forward to in our lifetime kyle so yeah i mean speaking of uh, shitty nazis saying stupid things and getting away with it uh, the white supremacists are back marching on Lincoln Memorial this time recently, and uh, just like January 6th, there was no consequences for them whatsoever, and they just got to be a bunch of pieces of shit and talk about how all not white people are terrible, and the cops were like, oh, you, ooh, ooh. I shake on my finger so hard that you, and then that was nodding that. in their head. Yeah, no, in, re- in reality, they're just like, yeah, yeah. Just, these guys got it figured out. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I wish I could wear my hood right now. <laughs> so, yeah, the white supremacists, the fact that this time, unlike January 6th, this time it happened. They marched on the Lincoln Memorial. It was a big news story for approximately the day it was happening and not even the whole day. And we just carry on with our lives because yeah. white supremacists can get away with stuff. I mean, and all the J6 stuff is so fucking stupid. Like, nothing happened. It was objectively nothing. Yeah, nothing I mean, happened. Somebody Even more took so a than dump. January 6th, admittedly. Somebody took a dump in Pelosi's desk, which is objectively hilarious. Best thing that anybody has ever done. And honestly, yeah, it was pretty funny. But I think, it, you know, I think if it's only a it hadn't been false Nazi flag, shit. honestly. I think it's a false flag. I think they let them in. I think that was all a big fucking deal so that the people who. They were so excited when the deep state existed long enough to tell Trump, no, we're not going to do your appointees. No, we're not going to do this or that. But they forget all about it when, you know, people are being are committing suicide 
you know, capital city cops are committing suicide after there's been some weird shit where the FBI knew it was going to happen ahead of time and talk to people in like the Proud Boys to say, oh, we'll just take you in for this one day so you're not connected. Come on. Uh, Even if you don't think it was fully false flag, it's like they knew about it. So it's idiotic. I mean, yeah, it was it was definitely telegraphed. And I would say the the intent, the clear message they had sent from the moment that they let things move forward in the first place was uh, we want this to happen because it makes for great television. Makes for great TV and also makes it that we can do fucking committees on January 6th instead of giving people fucking – you know, yeah, we got to talk about all these. Look at we, we look at this. These white supremacists are marching, and now we can talk about this for the next three months and not actually make sure you get you know another stimulus check yeah, or any of the over, basic COVID over three hundred days, bro. Remember, a hundred days they were like it's the most progressive platform in history. Ah, all through fucking up until like June, and now we're just basically like, from basically nothing. from the time that he won the primary to uh, the time that. Now they're still saying like, oh, there's still a lot of like, oh, but Biden's still the most progressive president ever all. Just so you know, he's so progressive. I mean, and I guess we should go ahead and real quick touch on this. To his credit, he did recently decide to halt all overseas, all, all, all overseas fossil fuel aid. But not the American, not the, no, obviously we still are going to do all our fossil fuels here. Just at least we're not going to make sure that we give more money to other countries just to make sure they can also destroy the planet with us. Right. I mean, the thing is, is all the other countries are, I mean, even places like Saudi Arabia are very quickly trying to find pivot to something other than that because they're trying to make money as the world transitions away from fossil fuels. But we're not transitioning away because he's at the same time at a higher pace than even Trump. Uh, Giving out, yeah, auctioning off the, fucking oil permits, drilling Biden permits. Biden has the uh, highest rate of uh, sold off oil drilling sites of any president in history. Yeah, so whippy. We went to we went to Glasgow to pretend like we cared about uh, oh, that, fucking the, the climate, but then Biden fell asleep and they didn't convention. even invite Russia or China because – Honestly, Russia and China are both of them doing a better job of transitioning away from fossil fuels than any of the Western countries. Yeah, climate are, Convention yeah. 26. Climate Con 26 was just uh, yeah. the, the funny, the most farcical bullshit. All bullshit. All bullshit. But whatever. You know, we're just going to keep doing this stupid <laughs> bullshit. Good for him. He's not actively yeah, he's just not, handing... He's not- well, I mean, that's more, that's more an imperialism thing anyways. It's, I'm sure it's more just a case of, well, we want to make sure America has all the best oil. Yeah, we're the, we're going to make America great again, folks, with our best with our oil fossil fuels, better than all the other countries' fossil fuels. Build back better, which is not <laughs> happening. They're not doing that bill anymore. Hey, we, so, we, right. we put down money to maybe fix some roads, <laughs> and the, who knows where the rest of that multiple trillions is going. Definitely not uh, into the pockets of a bunch of rich folks. Yeah, it's really a bad bill. The infrastructure <laughs> bill that – that, that all of their leverage that they had, it was a really bad bill. So was like, well, we finally passed it. Even Mansion and Cinema finally let us pass it. Exactly. And it's like, yeah, because it's officially no longer standing for any single person in the American public. Right. Don't go praising this bullshit. One of the biggest things in that infrastructure <laughs> bill is uh, investment, so-called investment in hydrogen technology, which – Previously, under an earlier rule, all hydrogen technology was supposed to use hydrogen that was used from or created through renewable resources. Now, all of that hydrogen is pretty much forced to 
except through subsidies, um, uh, hydrogen produced via natural gas. So we're it's really fucking bad for the environment. And honestly, it's not going to fix any roads. I'd be very surprised if you ever see anything really get fixed because it's going to have to go through the states and that shit's just going to turn into graft. Well, I don't think we need to worry too much about the climate, Kyle. I mean, it's not like there's been any natural disasters recently. <laughs> no, I haven't any paid Amazon any warehouses. attention to the weather. Yeah, no. Um, yeah, well, let's go ahead and start touching on some of the evil company news of the of our of our, of our news blast here. And we'll start, of course, with Amazon and the recent tornado where uh, the Amazon supervisors at those uh, who weren't physically at the location who – well, I mean some of them were physically at it when the bad weather started and then said, hey, you all keep working. We're going to bounce. Um, and that was the official stance. And six people died. And good old Jeffrey B. has yet to say a fucking word. Um, I mean, I don't know if that's true as of the when the episode drops, but as of the Thursday night when we were recording, yeah, a bunch of yeah. people died in one of his warehouses, and all he s- said was he showed up at a different warehouse and took a picture with him being there and said, look at all these happy workers here at this warehouse. Yeah, they didn't go to Edwardsville. Some guy, their like, PR guy, has been running very l- shitty interference for them, basically saying thoughts and prayers and being like, Oh, well, that's not policy kind of stuff, but it's absolutely policy. The things that killed these people are Amazon policy. Yeah, it's uh, and it's sickening. It's disgusting. And then, of course, the next day, because it's, a do- it's like a double warehouse. So like they're side by side sister warehouses. The people who worked at the one that wasn't hit with directly with the tornado were told, get right back to work. We know you lost colleagues literally just yesterday. Doesn't no excuse. We're not accepting call offs. We have to make up for all these lost boxes from all the people who fucking died. Do you know how inconvenient it was for our shipping r- ratios that people died of a tornado? Oh, th- th- we're the ones suffering here. Where's- I was hearing some really horrific stuff about like safety procedures. Like nobody knows any – there are no drills for fires or for earthquakes or for tornadoes or for an active shooter. So somebody was like, I always fear that somebody is going to snap someday and bring a gun and we have no – no plans, no active shooter drills, no understanding of what will happen. And I like knowing that the things that these people go through, I'm like, that's a pretty. Yeah, it's very like, that only a matter happen. of time. There are yep. shootings every day in America, like mass shootings. And that is, seems like a an area ripe for a mass shooting. It's terrifying. Yeah. So once again, Amazon shows that they are just the fucking worst. But. Weirdly, they are not the fucking worst of the uh, company stories we have these for these last two weeks because one other company managed to shine as just the biggest fucking dickweeds possible, and that is our good friends at Kellogg's. Hey, oh y'all, God, yeah. you're all striking, and uh, you don't like our 3% raise offer, which doesn't even keep up with the cost of living. Um, cool. Well, we're going to hire a bunch of scabs, and fuck you. And they do that, and I mean, to be fair – on the one hand, fuck that company. On the other hand, it turned out hilariously. Oh my god, yeah, fucking like fires and shit getting set up, like no, yep, nothing's machinery working, getting broken, uh. all kinds. Of, yep, these 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 guys don't know how to do the job, and it's just fucking. So Kellogg's is crashing in a fireball, um, and it's Good, funny, fuck them. but also uh, for all you for all our listeners, if you're not currently boycotting Kellogg's, you should be. Um, 
they are i would say uh, even more than like the even more than all the other strikey companies like frito-lay and stuff kellogg's are the ones who are showing very clearly that they will undermine any sense of workers rights in the name of their profits yep yep they'll so. they'll let you die they, they do not care yeah so uh yeah just to make sure that they're at the top of your boycott list uh at least until they finally cave and say fine we'll give you your actual raises you deserve and right. hire you all back but that could who knows how long that could be because if they're willing to do scabs and they're probably willing to do a lot of other evil stuff along the way mm-hmm. yeah at the same time uh, obviously not as many people but the student workers at columbia university are on strike and the university and people like fucking um like a marxist scholar i mean they, they all get scholar brain eventually but she's trying to this person who is like a gramscian type person who writes in stupid unle illegible unlegible illegible sentences uh she's trying to bring in scabs with the university and it's like so this was all just so that you could get book deals. That kind of stuff drives me insane, but whatever. Yeah. I mean, people are evil and will keep doing evil things to f- follow their pursuit of uh, just ever so slightly more money and p- uh, PR. And I'm sure that Kellogg's is even looking at this like there's no such thing as bad press. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so like, what do you There's expect? probably a factor of that. They're going to be protected, you know. There's no, there's nothing that oh, the administration is going to do. If everything goes really that. south, I wouldn't be surprised if Biden fucking bails them out. Oh well, oh, we need to have 100%. our cereal, folks. It's yeah, an American yeah. pastime. They're safe. They we've bailed out. I mean, just look at what the CARES Act did. It was written by Mitch McConnell. It just handed off, you know, this this biggest transfer of wealth that people were talking about when it came to the like ex- unemployment. Uh, benefits being expanded, which was objectively a good thing, uh, was uh, very much countered by the incredible transfer of wealth upwards towards all of those bailed out industries with the CARES Act. So, yeah, it's all going to be good for them in the end. That's yeah, the only thing I mean, that it's ever unfortunate is really... that the uh, the bad guys always win. Um, Certainly, with there is some good power. strike news, but I don't want to touch on it yet because of our. I want to have a uh, a good news sandwich. Nice. So before we come back to the last bit of good news, one last disgusting thing that happened in these last couple of weeks was the halftime show where teachers, our American oh, teachers who God. are supposed to be taking care of our kids, have nice things in the classroom so they can actually like make sure the kids learn information. You know, that's that thing that might be useful for the future of all of our society. Those people are being degraded as. Petty entertainment at best in this recent example. A halftime show where they were told to get on the ground and scoop up single dollar bills for the amusement of the crowd watching. $5,000. The maximum amount is $5,000 after they've debased themselves in front of hundreds of hockey fans. These people who already make like essentially less than – once you consider how many uh, hours an average teacher works in a week, they probably make less than a minimum wage. They're in South Dakota. The third – teachers in that state get the third lowest, I think, behind New Mexico and Alabama. I mean teachers have always been underpaid in history. Like even back in the 60s and 70s, they were making the equivalent of like 60K a year, whereas their counterparts were making like 100, 150K a year, you Mm -hmm. know? In, rel- in terms of relative money, but it's gotten just humiliating at this point. There are there are teachers in a lot of states where I make about the same in a year working my shitty grocery job as those teachers do. Right, and they're expected – these $5,000 will buy kids like school supplies. 
fucking teachers because, are expected well, teachers constantly are expected out of their own budgets of, yeah, yeah. To, you want your kids to actually learn something well that's on you we, we all we're doing is providing you a physical location everything else that's your problem <laughs> yeah the fucking the way that so. we treat i mean because there is no there is no future in capitalism that's the whole point yeah, we don't need to teach our kids because they just need to be able to work until we get the the uh, billionaires to the safety of the underground bunkers and then fuck the rest of the population. At this point, there's no point in inv- – the, the reason that we had a public, uh, public uh, school in the first place was to produce people who were capable enough to work in factories. And then we see an influx uh, of, you know, we see the university system, the public university system, mostly getting jump-started by the GI Bill. And that was so that we had, you know, more active minds in the fight against Soviet Russia. And then once we've defeated that, once we've moved past, once uh, the Soviets collapse... We don't really need that anymore. So we do these hyper – we get more and more financialized in our, in our settings. You don't have to – you don't have to – you don't have to have as broad of a swathe of people to train in order to bring into your economy. So like you know, as a kid, when I was in high school and college, they were trying to get people into STEM majors so that they could have cheaper STEM majors. They did that with graphic design and of course – but like that's the only thing is the, they don't actually care about the baseline fixing education, providing things actually for people. They're just trying to make it so that they get an investment back, which is it, – it's blind because they're not even doing that anymore. They've given up on investing at all in a, the next even, – even in the next round of workers. Yeah, the the uh, the future is already has already been written off as a tax write off by these billionaires, yeah. <laughs> um, and they could get, they could give half a shit about if our next generations have any idea how to live lives, you know, do anything fulfilling, find any sense of self or joy. None of that matters. As what's really important is we keep the slop pouring out. Make sure everyone's got their slop. Make sure everyone has their treats. Yeah, and. Uh, We'll put out we more shitty teacher, shows. Teachers can be, yeah, teachers can be a sitcom rather than actual, you know, human beings. Yeah. God. What so it was uh, just a disgusting country. display of self debasement for the sake of. Uh, I mean, and, and they've done, and there used to be halftime shows that paid a lot more than five thousand dollars for whatever silly game they did. Yeah. But no, we're going to cut the budget and we're going to make it people who we should be respecting. I you like know? somebody said that. The teachers should get the cops budget, and that's what cops should have to do is fucking yeah. climber. Get those fat-ass cops out there on the ice and have them scrounge around for $1 bills. Yeah. Unfortunately, we have far too much value for cops in this country and none for teachers. Um, but yeah, I mean, we I, like I was saying earlier, strikes are continuing because people are getting fed up with it. We've had a couple uh, good ones. The first ever Dollar General has started uh, prepping to strike, so that's cool. Uh, there's a Starbucks in, uh, I want to say Buffalo, yeah, yep. that's looking at it. Um, and then, of course, the entire uh, good huge chunk of one of the most recently evil game companies, Activision Blizzard, the fine people who brought you World of Warcraft, uh, Overwatch, bunch of other stuff that uh 
they talk about how they talk a good game about how what good guys they are and upstanding moral blah blah lib shit when in reality they are show they've shown many times their true colors to be we will destroy uh any sense of deep decency in the name of our game company right the labor um, practices as well as like the kind of there there's like rampant sexual abuse on in blizzard so oh yeah it's, like, it's terrible it's, there's a lot of abuse of the workers there that yeah it's good that now they've they yeah, kind so, of worked organized against it. Yeah, and I'm hoping that this strike will uh, actually see some traction because it's a hundred thousand people, which is not a not small size no, of their company, a and uh, it is, uh, and it might be enough to put a damper on World of Warcraft, which is their big flagship, continuing to expand and ever grow into a a beast that you know must always feed. As yeah. we were talking about, you know. As capital law tends to be a uh, an ever insatiated, uh, you know, monster. It is certainly a monster. That's fucking sure. But yeah. So let's see if uh, let's see if those strikes bring uh, keep continuing to have traction. Unfortunately, the general policy, especially on the news, is just don't even bring them up. My father has no idea any of these strikes are happening no, because of course not. The, the CNN's not going to talk about it. You know, yes. <laughs> they have much more important things to talk about. I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, like uh, how Biden is amazing because he did this overseas. They've been apparently talking. My, my father has brought up the overseas oil thing like many times because apparently oh, yeah. that's just all they talk about now. Is look at this one thing he announces: we're not going to take do any more over funding overseas oil. Look it's at how much Biden like is saving the planet. And then, like these silly January six committee things. Like that's all I imagine that they're talking about. I'm so yeah, completely it, removed from that world now. I've like, I, I've just I, given I, up. I, yeah, I haven't watched cable news in a very long time. I, I'm sure that there's like an uh, it would be an exercise in firstly, if I ever need to ri- raise my blood pressure for any reason, I can do that. But it would be an exercise in like anthropology almost to try and make me watch that shit now because I cannot imagine. Any other reason I would feel compelled to sit through any more of like Chuck Todd lying to me about how good this the Democratic Party is? Well, I mean, and actually, I guess fucking... one thing that's been a big deal on the cable news circuit is uh, what's his name from Chris Wallace from Fox News? Cuomo? Or, or no, Cuomo. Wait, Chris Wallace? No, Fox News. And it was Fox News. Uh, so one of the Fox News guys who's like the most libs centrist yeah, yeah. of the opinions, he got kicked from Fox News for not quite being as far right of a maniac as he's supposed to be. Let me check here. He's probably where like ABC or something now going to a big network. Although Fox is still more. Um, viewed. It, Chris Wallace okay, is yeah, definitely well, I mean, the guys dude that they booted like. from CNN. That was different. Yeah. Chris Wallace did. Yeah. So Chris Wallace got left Fox news and Chris Cuomo got booted from CNN. And the reason literally just comes down to you're not parroting the echo chamber that we need for this exact demographic of right. people all the time. Because, I mean, all the people that were watching Chris Wallace are people like my dad who are like, oh, we just need good Republicans. Yeah, but that's, he, well, that's the thing I've been seeing. Bernie, like, so I'm just like, come there's on, been Mark, a whole, figure it My out. father's about a bunch of like, oh, the Fox News people booted Chris Wallace. I, I knew they were bad, but oh, my God, so bad because Chris Wallace yeah. was such a good dude by comparison. You know, I don't know. It's it's just the the narrative that they have sold themselves, the idea that this is uh, – these are the good ones yeah. uh, has been so exist. deeply ingrained that people like my father can just have it be there. Uh, I mean, to be fair, it's basically their version of soap opera, you know? Yeah, it is. It's entirely so they can feel like it, it's like that weird 
tweet from some guy a while back that's like, people would be more interested in politics if we didn't have sports. And I was like, this is your sports. Don't get it twisted. You have it backwards, man. This is your sports. This is not politics. Yeah. Um, so it's unfortunate that these strikes aren't being talked about in the circuits of, you know, 90% of quote-unquote politically informed people. <laughs> um, but, you know, progress is progress. We are seeing we – we continue to see strikes pop up across the country. And whenever I see it in a big company like the Activision Blizzard one, I'm always happy with that, you know. Absolutely. So, um, you know, one last little bit of potential hope. Uh, on the horizon that we can continue to keep having these strikes and continue to keep getting angrier and angrier so that we can, <laughs> you know, get fed up enough with this system, hopefully. Yeah. Honestly, Bernie in uh, 2016 and um, later, he he said something that really made a lot of sense, and that is to never le- lose your sense of outrage. And he himself seems to have lost it, but yeah, I think he, I mean, it's still he, a I think fair he's thing. old enough at this point. You know, it's like I'm just going to try to enjoy the rest of my time with Jane and not get hit with a heart attack gun. Yeah, I don't blame him, but I do wish that he had a bit more, if not courage, then maybe. If, I don't know. It would it's, be nice, but definitely, I think that he was. We right. can't. We he, can't expect Bernie to be the hero all the time. We no, gotta let, there's we nobody gotta, that's going to be a hero that comes out of this system. Um, it's going to be from labor or somewhere else. Or yeah, maybe, we've got to become know. our own hero on the uh, personal level, right? And it has to be. It can't be one person either. It has to be. Which I mean, I guess that lot. plays into the unity, which was the theme of the uh, yeah. Yeah, hey. book we were reading. So there you go. Man. We must. We must Full merge circle, together. Find the find that. Uh, Find that sense of zen that will allow us to all take care of the world the best we can and not succumb to the evils of it. Um, So I guess the most important thing that you can do in your journey for self is to continue to try to have as much love and solidarity as possible. Love and solidarity, y'all. It can be told in few enough words. We are not certain of his intentions even yet. They talk, so I am told.